I hope you were able to make a little sense of my YouTube video last week um, when we were talking about how God... First week we talked about how God reveals Himself to us and presents Himself to us through creation. Then last week we talked about how God reveals Himself and makes Himself present to us through His law, which sounds terrible. Why would I want a bunch of laws? How would I know about anybody because of their laws? But it was a lot deeper than that, right? And now this Sunday, we're talking about how God has revealed Himself to us through His prophets. And God sent prophets. Just the whole, the whole fact that prophets exist is encouraging to me. Because there were no prophets in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, they sinned, they got kicked out. End of story. But... With God sending prophets, it means we can do wrong. Somebody can come from God to say, Hey, you did wrong. You should do right. Do the right thing. Go this way. And then we can actually change and go the right way. So the whole, you know, sometimes when people hear prophets, they're like, Oh man, those prophets are crazy. Uh, It's hard to read that section of the Bible. Um, All they ever had was bad news. But just think, remember who God is. He's compassionate and merciful, forgiving for thousands of generations those that turn towards Him. And so from that character and from that type of personality, we know that, God, that prophets aren't just saying bad news all the time. So this is going to seem real um, plain and dry because we're going to have a whole bunch of facts about the prophets. Then we're going to talk about what's the point of the prophets and what the prophets did. And then it'll be good at the end. (laughs) I think it'll be good all the way through. But uh, so when you think about the prophets, you might immediately think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Anybody want to keep going? Don't do it. But, you know, all the writing prophets. But there were actually prophets before that. And they're called the, the, the Jewish rabbis. You know, they've been talking about this for centuries. They have the former prophets and the latter prophets. The former prophets are Joshua, the judges. So Joshua was considered a prophet. All of the judges have prophets in them. Not every judge was a prophet. Like Deborah was a judge and she prophesied. Gideon had visions, but he didn't really say the words of a prophet. So some of the judges were prophets, some of them weren't. And then 1st and 2nd Samuel has prophets in it. And 1st and 2nd Kings has prophets in it. So, of course, 1st and 2nd Samuel have Samuel, who was a prophet... 1st and 2nd Kings have Elijah and Elisha, which we're going to talk about more later. They were great prophets. Wow. Like rock star prophets. So they were all prophets. There's a difference between somebody that's a prophet and someone who prophesies. So I might lie on my taxes. That doesn't necessarily make me a liar. But if I have a lifestyle of lying... And my taxes is just one of those. Right? So a prophet has a lifestyle of prophesying. 
But that doesn't mean that there aren't other people that sometimes prophesy, but they don't have a lifestyle of being a prophet, so they don't call them prophets. The latter, so the former prophets were those guys. The latter prophets, that's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the ones that you know about because they have books of the Bible written about them. All these prophets had one job. These guys are spanned over thousands of years, and they all did one thing. They spoke from God. They spoke as God's representatives to the people at that time. But since they were speaking to people at that time from God, God can see all of time. Whatever they have to say usually has something that appeals to the people that, they're, that they can see face to face, that can hear them. But their message is also for anyone throughout history that would read what they said later. And what they have to say has something to do with the Messiah when everything they would ever say is fulfilled and completed. When the last puzzle piece is put in and the whole thing is done. So that the prophet's words have to do with all three of those things all at the same time. So, God's talking to Moses. This is in Deuteronomy 18. And, you know, Moses, he's like, you're giving me all these laws. We're going to go into the promised land. How are these people going to keep your laws? You know, how are they going to become a people? How are they going to turn into nations and take over the world and the whole bit? In Deuteronomy 18, 18, God says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among all their brothers. I'll put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them everything I tell him to say. And whoever doesn't listen to my words that he says, I will require it of them. So that, that's actually a really big deal. God says to Moses, I'm going to send a prophet and the prophet's going to say everything I want him to say and if they don't listen... It's not the prophet's fault. It's not on the prophet. It's on the person that decide not to listen. So the prophet isn't the enforcer. The prophet isn't carrying a stick, beating people because they didn't listen. God's got the stick. The prophet is just the messenger. The prophet is just telling people. But then there's a warning against false prophets. Deuteronomy 18.20 The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or speaks of the other gods, that prophet will die. If you say in your heart, how can we know that God has spoken through this person? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that's a word that the Lord hasn't spoken prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Don't be afraid of them. So, in in explaining what a prophet is, God is also saying, look, if somebody comes and they say, God told me to tell you this, or God says that, and it doesn't come true, they're not a prophet, and you don't have to listen to them. Don't pay any attention to them. Later on, as you get more into the Levitical laws, if a prophet prophesied something and it didn't come true, you would take him out back and stone him dead. And that's how that was solved. 
sometimes I like to ask that question. There, there have been times where people have come to me and said, God told me this and this. And I say, okay, if you want me to take this seriously, I'm also going to take Leviticus seriously, that if you're wrong, I'm going to stone you to death. Because you're bringing this to me with all this seriousness that it's life and death. Are you willing to put, well, no, not really. I just, it was just kind of a, an urge I had. Okay, thanks for your urge. You get to live, right? I would not really stone anybody. Okay. When people say, God told me this, God told me that, there's a humility that the prophets had, or there was a certainty that they knew it was from God. It wasn't just a mood, like you might see on a televangelist or whatever. Alright, so who are these guys? So the, the priests, were the job of the priests was to act on behalf of God in the temple. So they would be in the temple taking sacrifices and doing the thing. So if Mike's the priest, and I would come to Mike and I'd bring him my sheep and I'd be like, I had a rough day yesterday and I did this, this, this. here's the sheep anyway. And he'd be like, whoa, Dan, okay, uh, yeah. And he would go through all this work of sacrificing the sheep for me. And right at the right moment, he would say, okay, Dan, all these sins you did yesterday, and you pass them on to the sheep. I put my head on the sheep, my hand on the sheep's head, and be like, yes, I pass all those sins on to this sheep. And he'd kill the sheep, and we would do all that. And he would be doing that all day long. And that would be his job. That's not what a prophet did. A prophet was more like the delivery guy. Prophets were very seldom in the temple. They were very seldom around any religious people. They were out going, you know, they were like the Navy SEALs or the Green Berets. They were going out on missions, going and getting people. But they were still acting on behalf of God. The other cool thing is that priests, oh, I shouldn't have made you a priest. Now this is not, okay, no, Mike's no longer a priest. So a lot of the priests, they did it because their dad was a priest and because his grandpa was a priest and their grandpa's grandpa was a priest. Their job was set. It wasn't based on how good and righteous they were or how much they wanted to do it. It was because they were born into it. Like the, like the preacher's kid that goes off AWOL and gets a tattoo and stuff. So the prophets weren't born into it. They were called. They were called into the ministry of being a prophet. Some of them were priests. So Jeremiah, Ezekiel, probably Zechariah were all priests. They were born into the priesthood family. And they saw the corruption and the evil of the priesthood. And they preached against it. They prophesied against it. Wow. Daniel and Zephaniah were some kind of royal blood or aristocracy of some sort. Because Daniel was taken off to Babylon um, with all the, the really smart kids. Like all the kids that were above average in their class all got taken and Daniel was one of them. So they, they think he was probably in the aristocracy. But Amos, the prophet Amos, he was a fig picker. He just worked out in a field picking figs. That was his job. And all of a sudden, God called him. Elijah who is regarded as one of the greatest prophets ever, we have no idea what he is. He has no origin story. 
Elijah shows up and the very first thing he says to King Ahab is there's not going to be any rain for three years because y'all are worshiping idols. That's, that's all you get. So the prophets are all different from one another. These guys, they all, all different backgrounds. Um, you can look up online and see, you might have it in a study Bible of some cool history of the timeline of the prophets. Some of them overlapped. Some of them knew each other and like interacted with each other in their lives. Others, they were so distant, they were like, gosh, I sure hope somebody gets a message to Tyre and Sidon. And at the same time, there was a prophet in Tyre and Sidon saying, I sure hope somebody gets a message to Egypt. And so they, they didn't even know they were at the same time, but they were. There were prophets to Israel. But most of the prophets, wherever they were prophesying to, also had a message for somebody else. So like Jonah was sent to go to Nineveh. And Jonah was one of the first prophets in timeline-wise. And Jonah is one of the most successful prophets. Because none of the other prophets had an entire city turn and repent and turn to God like Jonah did. Which is really funny. Tiny little book of Jonah is like a success story, right? You don't think of it that way, but it was. So when God called a prophet, they had an obligation. It wasn't just a a role or a step. Listen to this. This is from Ezekiel. So Ezekiel is weird. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you decide to go read Ezekiel, you're going to read a whole bunch of weird stuff. And I've got some of it. We're going to read today. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Son of man, speak to your people. Say to them, if I bring the sword and the people of the land take a man from among them and make a watchman. All right, I'm going to paraphrase it for time. Basically, Ezekiel says, you're a watchman on a tower watching for the armies. If the army comes and the watchman says, hey, everybody, there's an army coming. Then it's on all of those people to react. And if they don't listen, it's their own fault. Their blood's on their hands. But if a watchman's in a tower and an army comes and the watchman is like, ooh, I don't really want to disturb everybody. I don't want to make everybody mad at me. I'm not going to tell them about this army because they might think I'm weird. When the army comes and kills all the people, God is going to hold that watchman in that tower responsible. God says this to Ezekiel in the context of, I'm calling you to be a prophet, Ezekiel. And if you see judgment and doom coming on all the people and tell them, then judgment and doom will come on the people if they don't turn. But if you don't tell them, it'll be your fault. So what's terrible is in, 20, in, the, in the 20th century, 21st century America, there's a lot of people that read this and they think that their job before God is to tell everybody what they're doing wrong. I'm the watchman, so I got to tell you that you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. And you're doing this wrong. Oh, now it's not on me. You're going to get burned because you, you didn't listen to me. That's a terrible attitude. That was never the attitude God intended 
the prophets to have. The attitude that God always wanted the prophets to have was, was of uh, a guy standing by a street while preschool lets out, right? Watch out for cars. He's not saying, watch out for cars. Now, if you get hit by a car, it's your own fault. Yep. That's how people read this. No, it's, I don't want people to get hit by a car. I want to act. I want to rescue. And so when God calls a prophet, it's not, it's not giving him a role of superiority or a role of bossing people around or calling out people. It's a role of helping people out of that, that harm that they see. All right, so would you want to be a prophet? So, hands, let's all be prophets. It was a high and holy calling, but it was not easy. And it did not always go well. Elijah was threatened by the king more than once. And Jezebel, the queen, he despaired for his life. Um, Isaiah, the prophet, right? We just went through the book of Isaiah. He died by a king that didn't like what he prophesied, laid him out and sawed him in half while he was still alive. Yeah, we just went PG-13, or maybe we're still PG. Um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. So listen to him. Jeremiah comes and he says, uh, I'm gonna, you know, God, God's gonna destroy this whole city, all of its inhabitants, the houses of Jerusalem, the houses of the kings of Judah, Every house on which they sacrificed to other gods on their roofs, God is going to destroy. So he's telling them, this is a turn, repent, turn to God. Then Jeremiah came from Topheth and he came to where the Lord sent him to prophesy. He stood in the court of the Lord's house. So now Jeremiah is in Jerusalem in the temple saying, the God of Israel is going to bring upon this city and all of its towns all the disaster I've pronounced against it because they've stiffened their neck and refused to hear my words. So if somebody went you know, down to the courthouse and they said, this whole city is going to get destroyed because nobody listens to God, we know what we would do, right? We would think the dude was a looney tune, we would not listen to him. He's crazy. Um, if he got more severe, he might get thrown in jail. He might get locked up if he's getting too violent. Well, that's what happened to Jeremiah. Pashur the priest. The priest comes out of the temple, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. He beat Jeremiah the prophet. He put him in the stocks. So that's where they lock up your hands and your head in the big wooden thing, you know. They put Jeremiah the prophet in there and they put him at the door so everybody can see him. They didn't like the message he had and they didn't want to really be open. You know, is, he, is what he's saying true? Should we really quit sacrificing to idols on our rooftops? Well, we know from history that Jeremiah was right. That the Babylonians did come in and they did wipe out all of that. They did tear down the temple all the way to the ground. Uh, the stocks that Jeremiah was tied in were, were burned up. I mean, it was, it was disastrous. But they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They weren't even open to hear what he had to say. 
All right, so like I said, the prophets always did the same thing. In Hebrews, now wait a minute, Hebrews is in the New Testament, and Paul gives a commentary on the prophets in the past. He says, long ago, this is Hebrews 1.1, long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. Oh. All right, so I've advertised this before. This is Haley's Bible Handbook, or Halley's, and... They're usually pretty cheap at the vineyard, and they're little blue things. And they're like a huge book of a whole bunch of cool information about the Bible. And Mike the priest has one. You can ask Mike about it. So, in here, this is just a really great way. This guy sums up all of the prophets. All of the prophets in five bullet points. You ready? This is what every prophet said. Save the nation from its idolatry and wickedness. Failing to do that, they said that the nation would be destroyed. But they wouldn't be completely destroyed. There would be a remnant. So you're all going to get destroyed. So turn to God. If you don't turn to God, you're going to get destroyed. But you won't all be destroyed. There will be a little bit left. Out of this remnant will come a person who will bring all nations to God. And number five, that person will be a great man who will be from the family of David. He will be from the family of the tree from David. And, um, and he will be the king of kings forever. That really does sum up. You can find that message in all of the prophets. It's really exciting how much, how much they talk about Christmas, right? How much they talk about Jesus coming and living the prophets were kind of like performance artists. They were kind of like activists. They were kind of like the, um, the editorial, the people that always write letters to the editor that every time you see their letter from the editor in the newspaper, you're like, oh, it's that guy again. I know what he's going to talk about. Get ready. But then you have to read it, even though you know what the guy's going to say. They had to do crazy things. Sometimes God would speak through them in their actions. And Ezekiel is the most bizarre of all these. Now, Ezekiel has access to the king. And he has access to all the people. So in Ezekiel 4, God tells Ezekiel, I want you to make a little model of Jerusalem out of bricks. So just imagine me, you know, going and making a, a little model of Evansville down at the courthouse. Or I make a little model of Crossroads out in the Crossroads parking lot, right? Something. And then I say, this is what God's going to do. And then I just start smashing the model like Godzilla and breaking it all up into pieces. That's kind of what Ezekiel did. He, God said, make, make a little city of Jerusalem and then lay a siege works against it. That's where, like in Lord of the Rings, where they have all the big ladders against the building and they, they come and attack the building. So Ezekiel's doing this, and he's playing with all these toys that he's made, and he's telling the leaders, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be terrible. You're all going to lose. And then God says, lie on your left side and put the punishment of the house of Israel on this little house. Lay on your side. Like he's really lays down, starts playing it playing with these toys, smashing them. You're going to lay there for 390 days. 
and that's how long, that's the number of years that Israel is going to be punished. So he, Ezekiel did it. I mean, he's the same guy. If you don't sound the alarm when the army's coming, it's your fault. So sound the alarm when you see the army. So Ezekiel lays down on his side for 390 days, playing with this little model of Jerusalem and smashing it and destroying it. And of course, everybody's like, dude's crazy. But they all hear about it. They all see this message. God is reaching out to them so that they'll turn from their sin. God reaches out in all different ways. Oh, the 390 days are over. When you've completed that, then get up and lay down on your other side for 40 days because for 40 years, the northern kingdom is going to be dragged away. <laughs> so Ezekiel has a message for the southern kingdom and a message for the northern kingdom. And it's all in this weird, I'm going to lay around on my side. Ezekiel did a lot of other stuff. But maybe we'll talk about someday, but not today. There are other times God spoke to the prophets directly through a vision. There's a time that he had Jeremiah go to a potter's house. He said, Jeremiah, go and watch this potter. So the potter has the wheel and the potter is molding all this clay and making pots and stuff. And God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, I am just like this potter and Israel is just like this clay. And the way that potter can make something and then destroy it and make something else, I can do that with Israel. I can remake stuff. I can destroy it. I can do whatever I want. I'm the Lord. And so, of course, Jeremiah is moved by that and then goes out and preaches that message to everybody. So finally, do you think there are no more prophets? Do you think this is still a thing? Do you guys want to come see me this afternoon down at the courthouse with my little Lego statue of Evansville and I'm going to be laying on my side for the next 390 days smashing the Lego bricks? Whenever that happens, we think the people are crazy, right? Well, guess what? God still wants to talk to His people. He still has a message. Let's go back to Hebrews 1 again. Long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the whole world. He is the radiance and the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He made purification for our sins, and then He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And He is as superior to angels as the name is He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Better than a prophet, God sent Jesus. But that's what we're going to talk about next week. So Paul is talking about prophets. They have been speaking, but now Christ has come to speak. But then in Ephesians chapter 4, Christ himself gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's present tense. In the Ephesian church at that time, there were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their purpose was to equip God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. 
So even, even here in this room, even here in this congregation, the people that are here and aren't here, we have people that are apostles that are cheering people on and, and spreading the word to other people that are saying, here's what God is. We have prophets who might be discerning. Here's what's going to happen next. Here's where we need to go. Here's what we're doing wrong. Evangelists that are going out on mission and telling people about Jesus and telling them about salvation. We have pastors that are taking care of people and shepherding people and checking on Doug and Audrey. And we have teachers that are are teaching things to each other, teaching things to one another. And we're all learning together. So it's still a thing. Prophecy is still a thing just as much as pastoring, teaching, evangelizing, and whatever the verb for apostle is. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul tells the church, this is the Corinthian church, so he's not telling the church that's all good and holy and has everything figured out, because remember how messed up the Corinthian church was? But he tells them, pray for the gift of prophecy. Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Pray that you would have the gift of prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So I had a friend and he said, if you want to learn how to pray, look in the Bible and pray for the things that God tells you to pray for. Because you already know, like, if I want to pray for a, a Maserati, I don't really know if God wants to give me a Maserati. I don't even know if God wants to give me a Camry. But I know that it says in the scriptures that God wants to give me the gift of prophecy. And so I can pray for that with boldness. Pray for the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.5 I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to all prophesy. Why did he say that? Because the Corinthian church was all excited about tongues and they just were losing their minds over tongues. And he was like, you guys, prophesying is even better. As much as you want that, pray for the gift of prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues because the church is getting built up. So over all of history, all all the history of God, God's been reaching out and speaking to people. Remember that the list of five things, right? To get people to turn towards Him, and if they don't, there will be destruction. But not everybody will be destroyed, but He'll build us up and He'll send a deliverer, and it's Jesus. And now, the prophets speak to build up the church, to encourage the church, to be the good job of the church. And in the New Testament, there are prophets that do that. There are men and women. It is not just for men. Philip had four daughters that were all prophets. And we would not know that they were prophets unless they prophesied. They wouldn't have even mentioned it. So it's, a, uh, it's, open, it's open to all. And God really wants to make His presence known by encouraging His church through that gift of prophecy. Alright, let's pray. Lord, thank You so much.
that you want to speak through us and you want to speak to us through every one of us. And thank you, Lord, that we're not all in a crazy, weird situation like Ezekiel. But at the same time, we are all in the glorious position that through faith in you, you will talk to us directly. Like a person talks to their friend. We praise you for that, Lord. And we do pray. I I just pray for all of us here today that you would give us the gift of prophecy. That you would help us to speak your very words to one another to build up your church. And not just Westminster, but your whole church in on earth. <laughs> the whole thing, Lord. Uh, give us that gift to encourage your people. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Alright. Let's stand and sing.